1: I agree with you that he should be made to compete for that spot, right? And he's going to have some competition, right? So let's talk about some of those younger guys that we believe, you believe, I believe, and I think hopefully the coaching staff also believes that are going to be getting an opportunity to get on the field and compete for, if not a starting position, a position where they're on the field more often than they've been in the past, I I guess is the way that I'll put it.
2: Well, just, I, I know that Jalen Sneed is going to get a lot of the conversation and we'll talk about him in a minute. But the guy to me that that could have the biggest impact when we talk about the inside linebacker position is Nolan Ziegler. Yeah. And he's a guy that I, I was very impressed by. I mean, he was four-star grade coming out of high school for us, four-and-a-half-star upside, very athletic players, a thousand-yard receiver as a senior in high school. Uh, play, his team played against Drake Bowen's team. And and when Drake was a junior and Nolan was a, a senior and there was zero doubt who the best player on the field was that day it, it, by a mile, it was Nolan Ziegler Ziegler. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, last year just didn't get a chance to see him. I, I have my feelings about that. We'll need to rehash that again, but now he gets a chance to do it. Right. And he's going to be a starter on a bunch of special teams. I'm confident of that, but now sure. it's about, okay. Are you? Are you? Because here's what happens with a lot of veteran coaches that have the complex schemes. They look for everything in the world to pick a part of a younger player. Well, he doesn't do this. His weight's not here. I, well, coach, he's bigger than two of your starting linebackers. Yeah, but this, um, you know, he he makes this mistake. Well, so does your starter. Yeah, but he, you know, and so there's this excuse not to play the younger guy because you because when you play younger players that like if you have let's just say that they decide man. Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed are just two of our most our most dynamic players. We got to play them. We got to start them this year. Jack Jack's going to be our nickel guy, and, and Maris is going to come off the bench. Like that's what you decide. That requires you as a coach to scale down your defense. You have to. You you can't ask them to. You can't ask Jalen Sneed to execute the volume of schemes that you ask Jack Kaiser to do. You can't ask right. Nolan Ziegler to execute the volume of scheme that Maris Lufau can do. So you got to scale it down a little bit. But well, just the volume. I know. You know I know, I mean? I know like, exactly what you're the, saying. The volume of it. So, <laughs> right. but a lot of coaches like Al Golden don't want to do that. They don't sure. want to scale things down. You know, Van Gorder's right. that way. Other coaches are that way. They're not. That's not a. That's not a uncommon thing, sadly. Mm-hmm. And and so you get to the point where you just got to say, Hey, look, these are our best players. Let's 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 put them. Somebody just said uh, Ziggler's moved to Mike. No, he wasn't. He's playing Mike and Will. He's cross training at both positions. So no, he was not moved to Mike. He plays both positions right now. Uh, so that's just where you gotta be is you gotta give him a chance to compete for playing time. You gotta give him a chance yeah. to compete f- for that rotation. And then if Maris does win the starting job, you still find ways to get him on the field because the what he can be is he can be sort of that that guy that plays both Mike and Will as sure. your rotation guy. Yep. And then you also can then you have situations where maybe you put Jack at Will and Nolan at Mike and you allow, though, you allow J.D. to be off the field in sort of the rotation thing, and then maybe the next series you've got, you bump Nolan back out to Will, J.D.'s a Mike, and you cross him that way. But if you're going to do something like that, then you have to make sure that, that when he's in the game that you have a more defined call sheet sure. of what you're going to ask him to do. Because when we saw him last year in practices, Vince, and some other things that I've seen and some people that I've talked to, that kid makes a ton of plays, mm-hmm. a ton of plays. He's been doing it since his freshman year, right? You know, I mean, the the, the beginning was freshman year, right? It wasn't just this spring. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean is freshman. I mean, like last fall, he was a guy that right. I like constantly heard about how the first team offense hated that guy. Not right. really hated that guy, but you know what I mean. Like he gave him fits. They love him, but they hate him. If that makes sense, because uh, you love that a guy's giving you work, but you hate the fact that he's kicking your butt and getting you yelled at. You know, right. because you're not doing your job. He's got to play. And same thing with Jalen Snead, right? Like, I, I don't care how good Jax Kaiser is. You've got to find a niche for Jalen Snead. Absolutely. He's got to be the, on the field. The question is, is that Jalen – we even saw this in the bowl game last year. Saw it against Navy when he played a lot. Jalen was out of position a lot last mm-hmm. year. He would get suckered in a little bit. So he's making one, a lot of young guy mistakes. Right. Partly because Jalen never played one position two years in a row in high school. Just the nature of, of, of the team he played on – they had to move him. I mean, they had to. The, the head coach's job at Hilton Head was not to prepare Jalen Sneed. It was a job, but his primary job is not sure. to prepare Jalen Sneed to, to play whatever position in their name, It's to put him in position yeah. to where our team can be the best that we can be. Sure. And one year it was as a rover. Next year it was a defensive end with his hand in the ground. The next year it was kind of a linebacker, but also playing quarterback and also playing some running back. And that's just what they had to do. So he's still pretty raw in that standpoint of just not playing the position. And so, and Nolan is kind of, but at least Nolan played linebacker. Nolan just, you know, to me was more of a rover. He's got to learn to play inside. But Jalen, just, I mean, his junior year, he's playing with his hand in the ground as a rush end. So I think you've got to you've got to early on find the roles where he he can gain some confidence. And one area where I would like to see Jalen play a lot as a as a freshman, especially or as a redshirt freshman next year. I'd love to see him the first five, six games be a guy that is part of your nickel package. Remember that role they had Jack Lamb playing in 2019 yep. and then Bo Bauer played the next couple of years. I would love to see Jalen Snead get to play that role, which because sure. what does it do, Vince? It allows I got attacked quarterback. Exactly. And we were talking to I'm trying to remember who it was, but Ryan was interviewing maybe it was Sean Davis. It might have been Sean Davis was talking to a kid who had visited Notre Dame for one of the spring practices. And so we like to ask these kids when we're not at practice, like, well, who stood out to you? And sometimes they don't know. They don't know who the players are. They're like, so I think the guy was like 99 was really good. That's Riley Mills. And he's like, oh man. And number three was just killing people. Like he just, they couldn't <laughs> block him rushing the quarterback. He had like three or four sacks. Like number three, you sure? He yeah, number three. And he was, he was a defensive end. Like number three. Defensive he, end. But it just was, it was not, it was a defensive end. It was just right. it was just Jalen Steve blitzing off the edge as a rover. You know right. what I mean? And he was getting a bunch of sacks. So he's got all the tools in the world. You just got to start small with him and then build on that. You know, give him a role early, Absolutely. a niche role to let him attack the football. And then as he gets more comfortable and, and assignment correct in that role, then you build on it, you build on it, you build on it. And then he starts getting to, to be to more playing time. And the other part of it too, Vince, is the reason this is smart is even if you reject what a lot of the fans say, and just for to make a counter argument that these guys, the veterans are your best players. Let's just say that, that fans are wrong and J.D. and Maris and, and Jack Kaiser and we're wrong and that those are the three be- best players. You still need to play those younger kids, mm-hmm. at least Nolan as the primary backup to Mike and Will, and then Jalen as a third-down nickel guy, because then that's taking some of the burden off of your three linebacks who are all undersized. Right. They're all small. They're like Maris is like 230, but he's still skinny. Right. JD's 230. He's a pumped up 230. Right. Jack's still sub-230 and not a real big guy. So if you can take, you know, 10 to 15 snaps off of all their shoulders and then distribute those to three different to two different guys. Right. Then all of a sudden, you know, Nolan and Jalen are getting 20 plus snaps each a game. Right. And and those guys are now at the end of the year. I mean, 10-15 snaps a game. You get to the end of the season, you're talking about. 150 plus snaps being Huge. taken off their off their off their and then on top of that there's going to be a couple games you blow somebody out and then they don't have to play the fourth quarter that's even more snaps you take Absolutely. off their wear and tear. So I think there's a lot of different reasons for it to be honest with you events that that it makes sense to do that. Plus you're in position to where when you have starting new line lineback- new starting linebackers in 2024 that they're not kids that have never played real meaningful snaps. So there's a host of reasons why the younger kids could play even if Notre Dame comes out uh, to to um, you know to
1: to and those guys all play great. Even if they all right. play great,
2: right? Then we need
1: to see that. Didn't they? Didn't when you were talking about Nolan Ziegler? You know, obviously training at Will and training at Mike and, be, and kind of being the primary backup for both or whatever. Didn't they kind of do that with uh, Tavon Coney uh, earlier on in his career? Wasn't he like the backup for both? He yes, would come in and he would play. Will, but then like the next series, they'd bring the starting will back in. Yeah. He would play Mike, like that kind of a yeah, like a, it was a three man rotation basically for two positions. Yeah, it was, that it the was kind of Tavon. That...
2: It was Tavon, uh Niles Morgan and Greer Martini. There you go. Okay. For that guy. I thought yes. that's what it was. Okay. And Tavon ended up not starting a bunch of games that year, and he still led the team in tackles and tackles right. and loss.
1: Because he he got a ton of playing time. Right. Because he was exactly. at both positions. Exactly. And then and then the next year he graduated into uh, legit you know, starter right yeah exactly right but that's the kind of thing you're talking about okay he's not a starter right but he's getting a ton of reps in replacement of those guys and if you're at two positions that's twice as many reps as you're going to get to you know spell those guys and right. th- and those are only going to benefit him and notre dame and this position group right. moving forward right
2: because if you look at that 2017 season vince you had five linebackers that had at least 438 snaps that year. So you had – this is 2017, right? So okay. Drew Tranquil led him in snaps at 819. He was the rover. Now as Morgan played right. 747, Tavon Kate played 545, Gert Martini played 438, and even Osmar Bilal had 179. You had five linebackers that played at least 179 snaps last season. Yeah, That's kind of where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the ideal situation of where you want to be. Right. Uh, whereas you look at last year, you know you, you played a ton of nickel, right? So Jack Kaiser was the third linebacker, three hundred thirty-eight snaps. Uh, Prince Collie played one hundred thirty-six. You had four. Your fourth guy was getting as much as fewer snaps than your fifth guy in two thousand and seventeen. Right. Part of that is because again, more nickel defense. Get it? Understand it? You played a lot of nickel last year, and that's going to be true this year. But it still shows just how little they used their depth at linebacker right. last season. Exactly. Exactly. And
1: that's got to improve. That yeah. has to improve. I don't care who the starter is, to a degree, but I want to see those guys on the field. They have to be on the field. They yeah. have to be at this point. Yeah. So All right, well, let's turn the page to, you know, something that other people that 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 the fans love to talk about, right? We've got the freshmen. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you've got and then there's a ton of talent in this freshman class, Brian. And we're talking about the true freshmen. You've got Drake Bowen, Jaden Osberry, Preston Zinter, all three of those guys I feel like can flash. Oh, can yeah. they flash enough to get on the field? Yeah. At linebacker. Because I yeah. think they can all play special teams. And depending on how they want to do red shirts and all that fun stuff. That's fine. But can they get on the field as linebackers? That's the question.
2: I would strongly consider red-shirting red shirting. Um, Preston Zinter and Jaden Osbury. But I have a feeling it's going to be hard to redshirt Jaden Osbury. Just because it's like kind of like. How can you say in one breath. That. You are, you know, special teams is just as important as your offense and your defense. But then you're not willing to start a guy who would start for you because you want to redshirt him. Well, what's the reason you're redshirting him to have an extra year playing linebacker? So I understand that temptation, but I just, I mean, you know, Jaden's my guy, man. Like, I love that kid. I just, I, I'd have, a, if I'm Marty Biagi, I'm going to have a hard time. Not having all, you Not know, four, four of the five games, kids, games, Nolan, yeah. Sneed, Bowen, Osborne, Preston Zinner. Right. I'm going to say, Hey, look, I need at least four of them. I mean, you right. pick one, you're going to redshirt, and then I'm going to play everybody else. And and I fully right. expect Jalen Sneed and especially Nolan Ziegler to be on special teams. But I think Drake Bowen is going to be a guy that's really hard to keep off the field this yeah. year. I uh, and, and I know that, well, you know, you redshirt um, you don't waste a year playing special. I have no problem wasting a guy playing special teams if he's a starter on all the special teams. What I didn't like was right. when they blew a year of redshirt for Romeo Alcoir when he was on, like, one special team unit, right? right.
1: Like, no. That's not a difference maker in right. special teams. But
2: with a guy like Drake Bowen and Jaden Osborne, they can be on kick return, they can be a kickoff, they can be on punt coverage, they can be on punt return. Sure. I mean, they can be on everything except PAT field goal. Right, I'd still consider putting Drake Bowen on PAT field goal. I mean, if, he could be for a all I know that kid could easily. end up being a good holder. You know what <laughs> I mean? Baseball short played shortstop, and right, you know, in, in high school, right? I mean, so was a running think, back. So, way. knowing the kind of, well, I think he was a shortstop early on, might have moved oh, okay. to outfield later. But the point is, guy's got great hands. He was a great right. running back, and knowing the kind of athlete Drake Bowen is, would it shock you if he was like, wow, that guy's a great holder? i'm the, the i'm joking right i'm making the, it's not going to be drake bowen i'm just making no a it's point. not but, but that kid's just too athletic not to yeah, be on multiple totally special teams same right. with Jaden allsbury he's too smart he's too fast he's too talented to not be running down there on kickoff right you may not you may they may make the decision to redshirt him and and i and i can kind of live with that with Jaden allsbury because the difference between Jaden. and Drake is. Drake is physically ready to play right now. I mean, he's 6'2", sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jaden's still got to put on some weight. But you saw in the spring game, Vince, when he's flying around, you're like, that guy is – that. Uh, how do you – now do you justify not playing that guy? So I would be very curious to see how those two kids are going to be used on special teams early. Sure. Are they going to have a – they're going to have a tough time cracking the linebacker rotation early simply because you have the three vets plus Ziegler plus Jalen Snead. That could get a little bit tough. Sure, but if there's an injury, I will put it like this: If I'm an older player, whether it's the starters or the backups, I'm I, I don't want to have an injury where I have to go down for a couple of weeks because I may right. get Wally pipped. If that's the case, I mean it's nice just a reality. the reality. Yeah. And 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 for the veterans, it's not just one guy. If if you're a starting, Will, I got to worry about Marist, J, Jalen Sneed, Drake Bowen, and Jaden Osbury. One of those, I mean, you know what I mean. And so it's like, mm, I'm you know, I think I might play on the sore ankle a little bit today. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Well, uh, that's unless whole... you're
2: playing at a high level, then you get the sure. benefit of the doubt. But some of those guys like, like the Maris, doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. No, no. So uh, no, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Vince is that, that I love the future at the position. Sure. I do. I think the future of the position is incredibly bright. And then you add oh. Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rizak next year, hopefully Kingston, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the, also the 25 classes loaded at linebacker, but just with what's on the on the board right now, man, I'm, I'm excited about it. But I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because I still think there's a lot of talent in that fifth-year senior class as well. I'm not ready to write that class off yet either. What I want to see this year is not the veterans playing 95% of the snaps. I don't want to see the veterans sacrifice just to get the younger guys on the field. I want to see all of them. I want to see a five-man linebacker rotation. I don't care who you're starting. Because if, if, let's just say Nolan Ziegler beats out Maris Lufau camp. I still want to see Marist Marist is still too talented to not have some kind of role in your defense. Right. If Jalen Snead comes out and turns into the five-star player that we all thought he could be right now. And you're just like, dude, he's better than Jack Kaiser. Okay. It is what it is. Then move Jack inside and play him there, you know, or get him on the field. So even if these linebackers are everything, that people in the chat and we, and everybody else think that they can be, and they are that right now, I still want to see the vets in that role. So, The point is they all need to play. They all need to be coached up and prepared. And if you're just going to go out there and play the vets because they know the defense, that's nonsense. Now, the thing that that makes me feel a little bit better about it is, do you you take Marcus Freeman at his word, number one, which I do? And do you think Marcus Freeman is um, going to kind of, I don't say put his foot down. I don't know if that's necessarily the – the way have that a little I want bit more to go say, with it, say,
1: have a little more say on who's playing and yeah. things like that. Is that what you're yeah. referring to? Um, yeah.
2: yeah, because here here's a quote from Coach Freeman in the, in the interview that he and I did together. Now, what was interesting about this is this is something he brought up to me. Like, it'd be one thing if I said, Okay, let's get these younger guys in the field, coach. How are you gonna do that? But he transitioned into this, and then I kind of followed up with it later. But he transitioned into this part of it because he was explaining. You know, how being in year two of the defense was going to allow them to do more. The players understood them more. The coaches knew the players better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then he said, he transitioned, starts talking about, but, and this is what he said in in his butt to what he said. He goes, now, here's what concerns me, is that we're so experienced in our top end of our defense, the challenge for us is going to be, how do we develop the next group of players? You don't want to get through 2023 and all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of guys that have never played. So that's going to be my challenge to the coaches is I want to make sure you're, we're developing these guys that might not be the first ones to go out there, but we need to get them game experience. And then he started talking about how, you know, he didn't really like that when he was at Ohio State because he learned that from Coach Trust. He says, I think you have to be really intentional because my my response was, look, all coaches say that. Every right. coach says that. And 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 he started talking about how you have to have a plan. He goes, every coach has a plan to get the young guys in the game and then our rebuttal when we don't do it as coaches is, well, the game never it never played out that right. way. It never got right? to where it needed it to be. It never got yeah. to where and that's uh-huh. bull crap. Right. 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 Where uh, I was told by uh, somebody at Ohio State that Urban Meyer would have a thing where if he would tell the coaches, this kid is going to play this many snaps and if you don't play him this many snaps, that's on you. I'm I'm you you and I are going to have a conversation that you're not going to like right because it was demanded that this kid's going to play x number of snaps in a the game there's no well the game never led to that that's a bullcrap coach talk that we all use to justify not playing oh, more depth right and so he says he goes you have to be so i asked him okay that sounds fine but how do you get that he goes well you have to be really intentional and that's something i learned from coach Tressel I remember being the starter and being upset early in the year, like, man, why are we rotating young guys in here? This is my senior or junior year, but there was a reason for that because you didn't want to wait until they were needed to get them game experience. And then he talks about doing it last year. He goes, that's probably something I probably didn't do much last year because I'm just trying to figure out where to go and what to say and what to do last year. This year, you can mandate it early in the season saying, listen, we're going to roll guys. We're going to script it out and guys are going to be in the game. I've been a position coach where it's like, yeah, we will fill it out and we'll get him in. And then when it's right, you don't get them in. You no, know, we have to script it and hold ourselves as coaches to be accountable to when we're going to get them in the game. That's Marcus Freeman's comment to me during the summer. So if he is true to that, then we're going right. to see not just here at linebacker, but the line. Uh, I I know that Mike Mickens has talked about wanting to have a rotation at corner. He doesn't want Cam Hart to have to play every single snap and Ben Moore, Benjamin Morrison, every single snap. Because what happens is, is he's a smart enough coach to understand if we're in the fourth quarter against Ohio State and Cam Hart's on snap 70 and Marvin Harrison's on snap 50, Marvin Harrison's going to be a lot harder for Cam Hart to guard. Or if you know Benjamin Morrison against uh, Kent Marvin Harrison sure. or or one of those guys against a Mecca or the USC guys, but if they're if they're 15, 20 fewer snaps than my guys are, their legs are gonna be fresher in the fourth quarter. Okay, smart guy, right? And so if Coach Freeman is it truly holds the staff accountable to that, that's gonna be a good sign. Now, I don't know if I would necessarily want to do that a ton against Navy unless those guys have that niche role against Navy, but starting Tennessee state on, yes, you have to have that. And it's going to be D line. I mean, it means getting, making sure that you're getting Jason Onye, a lot of snaps, making sure you're getting Josh Burnham and new junior to a a lot of snaps, make sure that you're getting, you know, Tyson Ford, some early burn, make sure you're, you know, it's, it's gotta be across the board, but it's gotta be intentional. Cause if you don't do it in September, You're not going to do it once the schedule ramps up late September. If you don't do it late in in August and early September, Vince, when Ohio State comes to town and USC comes to town, you're definitely not going to do it then. And so that's something that if Coach holds holds them to that, Vince, then then we're all going to be happy because we're going to get to see all of them. Mm -hmm. And then if a veteran's not playing well, okay, well, Nolan's grading out really well or Jalen's grading out really well or Drake's grading out really well when he gets in the game. This veteran's not. So then when I do decide to make that change against Duke or Louisville or Ohio State or, or USC or whatever, the kid that I'm putting in the game is a guy that, okay, he's ready. We've seen him, right? Or you may get into a game where, you know, let's just say Jack Kaiser's your starter and he's playing great, but against this in this game, Jalen Snead's just on fire. So you may ramp it up a little bit but you can never get that opportunity it's like a running back you never an opportunity a running back never gets a chance to get hot from the sideline right i mean so you know i mean i don't know what you're talking about the there's plenty people.
1: of room to run around over there i don't yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great talk about the linebackers let's let's go to our uh the, our confidence level in this group overall so we'll do scale of 1 to 10 like we've been doing so your confidence level in the linebacker group, I've got mine. What say you?
2: thing I'm most confident in, the thing I'm most confident in is a barring entry, J.D. Bertrand is going to be very productive this season. That's probably the thing I'm most confident I
1: absolutely in. Absolutely agree with and, that.
2: And I'm also confident bigger picture, Vince, that this is a very talented group. Is it an elite group? I, I don't know. And, and that's something that we didn't get to at the beginning is, you know, what does it look like for this group to play to its potential, right? And, and, you know, the, there's gonna, there's not going to be a Jalen Sneed in this group, in my opinion. There's not going to be a Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa in this group, in my opinion. They're, those guys are not that. Sure. But can this group be a a very productive unit? The thing I see all the time, the, the comment I get most of the time, you can't compete for championships with this guy in his starting lineup. And I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. To to the way that they've played in the past, sure. But just from a ability standpoint, I, I don't agree with that across the board. I, I don't. I don't, I absolutely think that you can. And so it's just, but can they get there? You know, can they get to that 280 plus tackle number, right? That's a number that I want to see from this group. When you look at, 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 you know, what does it look like? What's the, what's the gauge for this group? You know, I want to get to that 280 plus tackle number because I do think they're going to be playing a lot of, uh, a lot of nickel this year. So, you know, getting a 287, that's a lot where they were in two, that's close to where they were in 2021, yeah, it's going to be hard to get, like, to the 396 from 2017 because that team played base defense almost exclusively that season. Sure. I mean, Drew Tranquil never came out of the game, you know, and then he slide inside on third down. But, you know, they, they played a ton of three-linebacker sets. I don't think we're going to see a ton of three-linebackers. You're not going to be in that exclusively against Ohio State. You're not going to be in that exclusively against USC unless you're taking a defensive lineman off the field. And you're going 3-3. Three, three. So unless they're going to do a lot more 3-3, three, three, which I could see – then I just I don't see them, but you know get get me to that thirty tackle for loss number. That that's what the number should look yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, get me eight plus sacks this year, and get me ten disruptions in the pass game. Right of thrown balls. Get me ten plus. Give me over ten disruptions in the pass game. Either breakups, interceptions, things like that. Give me, me. I need to be double figures there. So you can get me two eighty plus in the tackle department. You get me third around. You know I say let's say uh, let's say twenty eight plus in a tackle for loss number, get me eight plus, uh, maybe 10 plus in the sack number, and then give me 10 plus in the pass disruption number, then that's that's the level of production I think this unit can play. And it's going to be more about the unit playing well than necessarily one great right. player. Because like I said, there's going to be no Jeremiah Moa. There's going to be Jalen Sneet. There's not going to be any Jalen Smiths. There's going to be no Manti. But the, those guys, other, all the other guys have a chance to be better than Dan Fox was and better than Joe Schmidt was and better than what, you know, the, the drew white was. And then the 2020 linebacker. So yeah, there's not going to be a Jeremiah Wusukor Moa Rover, but you know what this unit should be is a lot better than what the inside backers were in 2020. Right. And that's where, so as a unit, I think they can be very good. Sure. Uh, even if there's no star, but the, but that's where the production needs to be. In my opinion, Vince, that's what it looks like. And I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm confident that the unit's going to get there. But I'm confident that J.D. Bertrand's going to do his part to get the unit there. That's probably the thing I'm most confident in when it comes to linebacker play this season. That and Al Golden's going to do things that are going to piss me off. That's going to be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that was great. There's was some fun. guy out there that like that that uh, that thinks that I have something
1: personal against Al Golden. So I just had to get that in there to. That's awesome. To, it, to that, get him a little fired up. Out of the one hour and twenty three minutes that we've done this, that's the part that's going to get cut. Those are the three yep. seconds that are going to uh-huh. get cut out. One hundred percent. 100%. And sent to Al Gee, Golden.
2: I told you you hate him. Oh, that's absolutely <laughs> true. That's not even true. I actually <laughs> said that to a coach once. Did you really? I was like, did anybody send you the article I wrote last week where I praised you? I was
1: like, no, I didn't get that. So I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. They only send the stuff with that It's negative. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever. Yeah. 100%. And then that out of context, they send like right. one paragraph. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So,
2: yeah. It's a little yeah there's some troublemakers actually. in the back office at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that. <laughs>
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: My confidence level, I was thinking like I'm I'm like a 7 right now, like overall, like a scale of 1 to 10. i I, I—that's We do a lot of those for rapid fire, right? So I'm I'm like a 7 because it's not just the players, but it's also the coaches and the scheme and all of those different things that we talked about. They all kind of have to come together. And that's why I'm a 6
2: when it comes to that standpoint. Fair enough. Just because I don't have enough faith. And it's not that I don't have enough faith that Al Golden's capable of it. I actually think Al Golden's really smart. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the problem. Right. Is because he is really smart, and he's having trouble scaling it down to the college players. Sure. And I don't know if he is thinking past Notre Dame and thinking NFL, is he going to be willing to sacrifice that vision to say, okay, but I got to get these guys right. What what am I putting on film that's going to show people? That's sure. the that's the concern. So that that lowers me down. I'll say this: if Al Golden does what I hope he does this season in regard to the the scheme that he puts together, it's a lot more aggressive. Which means I don't have to out scheme everybody. I have right. talent. I'm going to turn that talent loose. I think Notre Dame should be more athletic at, at big end. I think Notre Dame's going to be more athletic at three technique this year. They're going to be more athletic at nose this year. They're going to be even more athletic at viper this year, in my opinion. Even though. Sure. I don't know if they're going to be as good as they were last year, uh, so they're going to be a lot more athletic up front, and and so do you use it or not? Sure, I, I I don't know, or is it going to still be about I got to show how smart I am? That's the thing. If there's a happy medium between Al Golden and what's in his head and what he knows about football, and then him finding that okay, but I have college kids. If he can find that happy medium, then I then, then I if you were to tell me, Vince Ryan, I saw into the future, and the only thing I can tell you about the season is Al Golden coach to his players' skill sets. I'm going to be like, 10, 10, right? I'm, I'm going Billy Bob, 10, 10, 10, ten, ten. right? Yeah. That's the, the linebackers are going to be really good this year, you know, because yeah. I do believe in the talent better. Because, because then if if Maris doesn't get the job done, if JD doesn't get the job done, if Jack doesn't get the job done, the system is in a place where, fine, M- Nolan, it's your turn. Yeah. You know, Jalen, it's your turn. Drake, it's your turn. Jaden Osborne, it's your turn, right? And that's why I say, if the coaching does its part, one way or another, the production is going to get a lot better, right? And and uh, that's that's what gets me a little bit excited, but it's also what gets me nervous, Vince, because we have had these conversations with the coaches in the past, yeah, and they don't change, right? And that's we'll find out. That's, yeah, we are going to find you know out. Ultimately responsible for this, though, at the end of the day, right? Absolutely, it's Marcus correct. Freeman.
1: Yeah, it's Marcus Freeman, Buck's spouse with the head coach, right? And he's now you are to, more involved. Right. And,
2: and that's the whole part about the year two thing, Vince, that we talk about. Right. That's him right there. What's different about Marks from year two. He's going to be more uh, pay attention, more to detail. Cause he knows all I know where to do here. I know that my schedule's this, my dude, I, I got all that down now. Now it's about, okay, let me get back to, and I think we saw that second half of the year a little bit. I think we did too. And that's what yeah. makes the USC game. And he even said that to me in the interview. Uh, I put it on the message board. We talked about how you could tell he, they weren't Looking back, they weren't happy. The coaches weren't happy with the game plan they had for USC, and I don't think it's just Marcus Freeman. I don't think Al Golden liked it either. Some because you know how this Vince. Sometimes you go and thinking, "Boy, it's a great plan." Then you look back. Man, that's stupid. I can't yeah, believe we right. did that. Right. Yeah. We all have done that as coaches. We've oh, all my had those days, man. Where it's like, man, I was confident we we're gonna just run down their throat with this. With this. Yeah. And it freaking didn't work at all. And I liked hearing that. You know when I And he didn't come out and say that, but just the way that he well, expressed it, it wasn't like oh, I wasn't happy with this. It sounded like yeah. it came from a conversation where they weren't happy about it, if that makes sense. Uh, and and I like that. It tells me that there's some reflection going on. Because if Al Golden's a competitor, he's not going to look at that game and be like, yeah, I did my best. Oh, so the players sucked. He doesn't strike me as
1: that kind of guy. Right. He
2: doesn't strike me as a Brian Kelly, Van Gorder guy in that regard. He's going to be like, well, no, my players but, suck.
1: But we've seen you empirical know. evidence that he isn't that guy. Right. Right. I mean, after what was it, the Florida State game as a defensive coordinator, he went and apologized. He's like, I'm talking about Marcus Freeman. Yeah. We have evidence that he's not going to be like, oh, my plan was good. These guys suck. Like that, that's not who he is. He's going to go back and he is going to evaluate everything. And at the end of the day, he is going to take responsibility for it. Whether in the the, the quiet darkness of his room at night, he's thinking, "Ah, man, if so and so would have played better, you know, it would have looked a lot better. He's going to take the blame. Mm-hmm. which that, I mean, that the, the big L right. That's well, he leadership. did that after
2: Stanford. Right. right. I mean, exactly. he flat owned the Stanford. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. O- owning. It's one thing. Now go fix it. Absolutely. And that's the biggest difference that Notre Dame we saw from this Notre Dame team is after he said, you know what, this is on me. Right. But it's kind of like if you're in a marriage and, and, and you're, and you're constantly, you know, treating your wife poorly and constantly apologizing, but then you don't actually do anything to fix it. Guess what? Right. You're not really sorry. Right, you're just telling people what they want to hear, and you know, and, and you're not actually addressing the problem. We saw that team come out that next week against UNLV, a week after getting absolutely embarrassed by Stanford, who I would argue is not as good as UNLV. <laughs> I don't think that's
1: that would you wouldn't get much of an argument. So so
2: uh, and you went out and just steamrolled that team the first half. I was right. like okay, now they still had some sloppiness and some different things sure. that you want to get better at, but then then they got the next week and they whoop Syracuse, and then whoop Clemson. And you're like, okay, you know what? Like, this is not the same team. Cause I've said, I mean, Vince, if if Notre Dame would have played against Marshall and Stanford the way they did against Syracuse and Clemson, they blow both of those teams out. I don't I don't know if that was I don't know if that was good enough to beat Ohio State. Sure. Cause I don't think you beat Ohio State throwing the ball eighty five for eighty five yards. Right. Unless you're playing like in a terrible, you know, like you could have maybe done it if you were playing them the weekend that they were playing Northwestern. <laughs> Remember the win in that game? Because that was yeah. the same day, I think, that Nerding played Clemson, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and C.J. Stroud went out there and, I mean, he just couldn't throw the ball. I mean, it just it was some of the craziest win you'll ever see. I, I actually think it was the same weekend as, yeah, it was November 5th which is the same weekend that Notre Dame played
1: Clemson. And that was at Northwestern, right? And they're right correct. on the lake. Which so means I mean, it was
2: right down the street from how – because remember how windy – remember you and I went up to the, the press – on top of the press box before the oh game? Oh, my gosh. We got blown off. Because we wanted to hear the – we wanted to see that we yes. wanted to hear the crowd when the players came out.
1: Yes. And I had I to take that. my
2: hat off and hold my hat because there was yes. no way I was going to survive. And, like, Vince is, like, going like this. Like, the <laughs> wind is blowing it back. out of like, remember that? I had to put my hand on your back that one time. Are you all right, man? So, um, it was so windy, so windy, yeah. and that's how it was And, and it was even worse at, at Northwestern right, because they're right they were the getting that lake. lake stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
2: unless you're playing in that type of condition, which is, you know, whatever, you're not beating Ohio State the same way you beat Clemson because Ohio State's a better team offensively than what Clemson was. You can maybe do that to them defensively, but you're not winning the game. Because right. again, Notre Dame relied on two non-offensive touchdowns to win that game. You You can't count on that week after week after week. Right. Right. You just can't. You need more than that against the best team. So but but to your to the point, though, Vince, it's like we saw this team be different. We saw the linebacker production better. if the linebackers play the whole season, just like they did the second half of last year, this still is going to be a much better defense. It may not be good enough to be a championship defense, but it's still going to be better. And that's the thing that kind of has me a little bit fired up about, uh, about it is not because we're not banking on pie in the sky. We need to see this, even though we've never seen it. Right. I mean, that's not what we're, what we're looking for. I mean, the, the last six games of the regular season, Notre Dame held, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, four of their six opponents to under 300 yards of total offense. Right. And, and Navy Navy was one of those teams that went over, Sure, and they gave up 352 yards to South Carolina, which is over 300. But if you look at what South Carolina was doing on offense coming into that game, that was a team that went for 415 against Clemson and 606 against Tennessee. Right? I mean that that that's a yeah. pretty good That's right. a pretty good day. I mean, Notre Dame gave up 4.96 yards per play against against uh, South Carolina. They had 4.8 against Georgia last year. You know, so uh, Notre Dame held South Carolina to 65 yards rushing. Georgia gave up 92. Right. So, I mean, that that's good production. That's really good production. And, you know, so even in, then when you gave up over 300, you still held them below. And, and the defense didn't play great against USC, but you, know, you look at and say, but USC was still below their season average in a lot of areas. Right. I mean, USC gained 419 or 436 yards against Notre Dame last year. Well, that's an offense that averaged 506.6 yards per game. And at least a hundred of those yards came on Caleb Williams just being Superman.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. And you didn't have Tariq Bracey. You didn't have Cam Hart. Right. right? So right. there's reasons to be optimistic to where even if they just repeat what we saw the last seven games of the year events, it's still going to be pretty good. It just, to me, that's not the standard though. The standard is: Are you good enough for this team to compete for a championship? And that's that's still the que- that's still a question mark. The potential's there, but we got to see about it. Let's do some what's and that's sort of the biggest. We, that kind of answers the biggest question. Okay. too. Right? So I kind of I I kind of feel say, like we just we okay, just did that. Was that right? Yeah, is yeah, will yeah, Al yeah. Golden make the changes necessary to take Bingo. the defense to the next step? That's the big question. We kind of answered that, so we can skip that one. Cool. I want to go to bowl predictions. I'm sure you do. Let's get to our bowl predictions, Vince. So, Mister D'Addario. Yes. I'll still never forget how you how you, the story how you told me to properly pronounce your last name when we first. Went. I was like, <laughs> "How do I properly pronounce it?" last like, "What was it, Vince?" Tell it's
1: hi uh, ho D'Addario, just like oh, I, saw, I would tell the kids at school. <laughs> hi ho D'Addario. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. So, uh, <laughs>
2: what's your what's your bowl predictions, Vince? Give me a couple so, of your bowl predictions
1: for the year. My biggest bold prediction, and I think this will go to the some of the question marks that we have going into the season, right? So I feel like this is this would be one of the questions that gets answered, I think. And this goes along with one of the things that you brought up earlier. And so I, I quickly jotted it down because I feel like this is where they need to be in order to be a successful unit. 175 plus snaps for five linebackers is where I think that they're going to end up. Because I think that they are going to get a nice little rotation going. They are going to get all five guys on the field. I think I think they have is an opportunity bold? to do that. Is that bold? I think if you ask anybody in the chat, it's bold. Because I okay. don't think that they think that there's Good going to be point. any kind of rotation. Good point.
2: Good so, point. Yeah. All right, what's your second bowl prediction, Vince? I want to hear your second bowl prediction because I don't want to steal one of yours because I know I always. No, steal well,
1: them. you kind of hit like I had them all written down over here, and you kind of hit them all when you were talking about uh, your confidence level. Like you took the stats and you were like predicting where where you think the Trying stats not to steal should, this time. should be. Should be no, 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 you're good, man. It's all good. It. it means we're on the same page. Terrible friend. Which, which I love because <laughs> I wrote down. Look at this. I wrote down. Double-digit pass defense, and I put 30 <laughs> TFLs. Like, That's why you made that face when I said that. Okay. I was okay. like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I had those written down from a stat standpoint. Um, I, I was going to say something about J.D. Bertrand, but you're like, my confidence level is that J.D. is going to take that next step. And I have I have felt that about him, bar none. Like, of all of the linebackers on this roster, I think he is going to take a step where – the fans aren't going to be like, why is he in the game? You know, I, yeah. I just think that he's going to be that. Well, there that may leader. be one that does that, but the rest of the fans are going well, to be like, shut up, get him yeah, out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that they, they're going to get better in pass defense. I think that's huge because they can't have another season where they where they have five. I mean, yeah. you, you can't. So I said double digit. I'm thinking more along the lines of 12 or 13, uh, if I'm being honest. But I said double digit, so maybe that's not bold enough. Uh, I, I also think the tackle bold
2: because we I, haven't I, seen I, it. I mean, right. I, I still think it's bold because sure. he hasn't done it.
1: Right? We, we, and you're and, talking about JD, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. And the 30 tackles for loss by the linebacking core, I actually think that's going to be a bigger number because I think they yeah. are. I think he is going to activate the linebackers again, but they're going to be better at it. Yes. So I think that number actually grows to probably around 35. That'd be huge, and that would be a bold prediction, yeah. right? That's a 30 very plus bold prediction. Yeah, but I think 35. I feel real good about that because I think the – because what was one of the things we've always complained about, Brian, when it comes to some of the missed tackles for loss? It's missed tackles. And I think they're going to get that cleaned up a little bit more. We started to see that a little bit last year. I think we see that more this year. So they're going to have every opportunity to have 35 tackles for loss. They are if they hit the ones that they're in position to hit. And so my bold prediction is 35 there. I dig it. I mean,
2: that's a that's a very bold prediction. I, I, that's a very bold prediction. Here's partly why I don't think you're going to be nuts. I could see J.D. Bertrand and Jalen Sneed alone getting to that. Because he, he, here's – I don't think Jalen Sneed is going to play as much base defense as fans want him to. Sure. I think he's going to play a lot of nickel in third down, and he's going to be re- – I think this is basically going to be, hey, Jalen – uh, see that dude that's taking the snap number seven or whatever your job when you're in the game is to to hit him mm-hmm. like legally and you know right of course right you know and that's your job like make it simple for him and then build on it I, I think Jalen is going to be a really disruptive player because I think of kind of like what Bo Bauer did two years ago one of the most over uh, underlooked players for Notre Dame in 2021 uh, was Bo, Bo uh, Bauer on third down was a really productive player for Notre Dame that year. I mean, he, as a, Just as a nickel alone, Vince, he had four tackles for loss that season, and he had that big interception he had five pass breakups, right? I mean, so Bo Bauer was a four-plus tackle for loss guy in healthy years. I mean, you know, he he was a guy that was very disruptive, and mm-hmm. as much as I love Bo, he's not the athlete that Jalen Snead is. And, and, and you and I have said Bo was a, a more – he was a more athletic player than than often he gets credit for? But I, I think I think Jalen needs gonna be a six plus tackle for lost guy this year. That's gonna include sacks, right? But I could see him being one of your top two, three sack guys this year, just sure. because of what he does in nickel. And um, so so him alone, him and JD alone, because here's my bold prediction. Again, these are bold predictions are meant to have some fun. Right. You know, if things kind of go perfectly, what does it look like? Uh they're not predictions. Right. Just like this. is Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, I think Notre Dame's, you know, if I were, Hey, I think Notre Dame, you know, a good prediction, 11 and one, that's not a bold prediction. That's like, yeah, this is what I think this team can be a bold prediction. is Like they're going to go 14 and 0 and win the championship. That, right. That's not really my, <laughs> you know, like that's, you know, sure. Uh, but, uh, my bold prediction is JD Bertrand is going to earn all American honors this year Ooh, I like because that. of that production. Now it could be second or third team, but it's going to be all American honors because, When I look, and and this is just based off what he did last year and, and, and what we just a normal year two in a system growth, because here's two things about JD last year. Yes. He was a year two starter. He was in in year one as a Mike in a new system. And then he missed basically a full game early in the season because of the, of getting, getting um, kicked out because of targeting. So unless he gets injured or misses multiple games with targeting again, (laughs) I think J.D. is going to come very close, if not get the numbers that I said he was on pace for last year. Which is, again, his production level over the final six games was that of a guy that in 13 games is a 100 tackle, 14 tackle for loss, 7 pass breakup, 3 sack performance. If he does that, this defense is going to be really good. If this defense is really good, Notre Dame's competing for a playoff spot. If Notre Dame's competing for a playoff spot, then their players are going to get more all American recognition. That's just how it works.
1: That's absolutely how it works. Right.
2: And so that's why I have J.D. Bertrand. My bold prediction is that J.D. Bertrand oh, will it. be an all American this season. Will he be Jeremiah Usukoramoa, Jalen Smith? You, know, you didn't Knight say Buckus, good? I'm not saying that. You didn't say, but I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think he's going to be, he's going to get some all, all American consideration this year because his production, he's going to be three, he's going to be triple digits and tackles. The, the, the exception being obviously, if Notre Dame goes out there and blows out half their opponents and you know, right. Okay. I, I'll live with being wrong if that's the case. Right. Right. But I, I, I don't, I think their schedule's too tough for, I mean, I, they'll blow out Tennessee state. They'll blow out central Michigan. I, they're going to have any other blowouts other than that, other than maybe Navy are going to have to be, wow, they, they played better than they I thought they were going to play. Right. I mean, sure. those, those are all, I think every after Central Michigan, I think every team that Nerding plays the rest of the way made a
1: bowl game until they get Stanford. And Stanford beat them last year. So, right. I mean, say what you want to.
2: So that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I think that's going to th- triple digit tackles, double digit tackles for loss and he's going to have more oh, sacks this it. year. That's my that's my bold prediction for J.D. Bertrand. Love my it. second bold prediction I kind of already said, too. I think I think the young players are going to make – I think the, the freshman and sophomore linebackers are going to end up combined double-digits tackles for loss this season. Because part of that is going to be like, if you put Nolan Ziegler or Drake Bone in the game in the fourth quarter or Jaden Osborne in the game in the fourth quarter and yeah. your team's backups, they're going to make plays. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. So that's the other one is I think we're going to see double to combine double digit tackles for loss from the from the freshman and sophomore classes. Those are my and I don't count Junior Tielemacca and Josh Burnham. I'm talking just the pure linebackers, right? From the sophomore class. So freshman sophomore. So so Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Sneed, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, Preston Center. That that five group will have will finish here double digits and tackles for loss this season. Those are my two bold
1: predictions, Vince. How do you like them? That's bold. I, what's what it's supposed to be? A hundred percent. No, I agree with you. I think, I think if we see some of these younger guys get on and making plays and I mean, you realize what's going to happen, you know, when they're, after they've blown out central Michigan and then you see Jaden Osberry and Preston Zinter go get sacks or tackles for loss. I'm like, how come they're not starting? You know, we're going to get that, but you know what? That's a conversation I'm willing to have because that, you know, that, that means that those guys are balling and that means that the other guys are balling too otherwise they would be starting right so uh, that that that's a conversation that i welcome and if those younger guys have that kind of production in a backup role that's awesome man that means that means that this team this defense specifically is going to dictate the tempo they they are they're not just going to sit back it's not going to be a uh, albeit successfully a Bob Diaco sit back and bend, but don't break. They are going to come out and they're going to dictate how they want the game to go. And that's, that's the kind of defense that I enjoy watching is a, is a defense. That's not just going to be a, you know, we're going to do what they give us and, you know, not give up a bunch of touchdowns. We'll give up some yards, you know, that kind of a thing. I I want a defense that's going to go out there and they're going to dictate and they are going to press the issue, and you know, within reason. I'm not talking like a, uh um, how oh, who was the defensive coordinator under Weiss? Who just blitzed all the time? Came from Georgia Tech, I think. Oh,
2: John Tenuta.
1: Uh, Tenuta, thank you. Like I called that one.
2: I'm, yeah. <laughs> Remember that's... how much I got hammered at that old
1: place oh. on, after the Nevada game when I was yeah. like, uh huh, no. yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh I'm not talking about that. I'm. Yeah. Uh, that's not what I'm referring to. I, I'm just referring to an aggressive style of defense, and they should be able to, because of the athleticism of the front, the talent in the back, you should be able to do a lot of fun things with the linebackers. And so uh, very excited about the possibility of what this defense could be. And if the younger guys are having production like that, that's what kind of defense this is going to be. So uh, I'm excited about that. I love it. I I love it. it.
2: Well, Vince, that's going to do it for the linebacker show. We're going to do a mailbag next. But before we do, folks, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. We are still, just while I'm I'm sitting here, we had another gold club sign up and another annual membership sign up during the show today. Wow. So yeah, definitely people signing up getting new people and and the thing i like is some of the new subscribers are actually engaging on the board a lot of times people will subscribe and just kind of lurk a sure. little bit but they're it jumping was... in hey i'm here and let's talk football and so right uh we're, we're definitely having like we even had somebody yesterday propose a, a, a you know like a because there's not a lot of football to talk about right now propose a hypothetical what if emil wagner is too good not to play and you're gonna play him right tackle. What do you do, to Blake Fisher? And it's a fun back and forth. Like it's a fun conversation about what you do. Do you put him at right guard, left guard? Like what do you do? Like we have fun stuff like that going on too. Even not just the intel and and the the actual analysis and stuff. Somebody asked. We use the term junk coverage or junk junk alignment yesterday. What is that? So I took a couple all twenty two clips and showed an example of a base defense. Somebody wanted to know what an underlook? So I showed base defense with an underlook. Explain that under over. And then show what a junk look is. So we, we talk football, we talk movies, we talk life, we people, mm-hmm. I'm actually working on, uh, somebody reached out recently, Vince and said, you know, there's a lot of prayer requests on the board. What if you just create a board that's just for that, where people can talk about life and prayer requests and all that. So we're actually going to do that. We're going to turn one of our boards into a sort of a prayer board. So it really is meant to be community. Some people are lurkers. Some people engage either way. You're welcome. And we look forward to that. And you can find that at boards at irishbreak.com. And, of course, all the people that have signed up to be part of the Booster Club, greatly, greatly appreciate that support. Just had another annual sign-up just now. So um, (laughs) it's definitely growing. So I want to thank you all for that very much.